Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We're back. WTS 183 after an extended, extended vacation, Graham. All because of you. Signal. I nearly died. Signal, Murray. I nearly died, Graham. I nearly died. And if you want to make light of that situation, you can make light of that situation. <laughs> but I have a doctor's note that said I nearly died. Ew. Did you show it to work? Um, I did. Yeah, I did. And they accepted that I nearly died. And they said, we're glad you didn't. Now get back at it. And back I went. Back you went. I'm a trooper. And now the two of us are back. We are, yeah, we are. Um, yeah, look, we took a little break. And uh, because we took a little break, we decided when we come back, we're going to try and make this as familiar as possible. So, Mero. Yes. Where are we? We're in the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel, Colony. For the first that. time in seven months. We haven't said Six that in months. a long time. Since yeah. whenever the Christy Moore episode was. the last time we were here, we were having a sing-song with our old mate Christy. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And we decided this time, if we're coming back to Fitzpatrick's, we bring a couple of friends with us. And who are our <sighs> friends? Well, no better than our best friends in the whole wide world, Graham. And we brought them together. In, in a weird fucking, this may break the universe. I'm going to get one guest to explain why we brought them together. That sounds but Who do we have? Well, we have, first of all, he is an agony aunt to literally tens of people in Arklow. <laughs> he is the resident love doctor and interior designer advisor to What's the Story podcast, an occasional culinary guru ladies and gentlemen Gary Mackle uh, Margaret Heffernan in, in uh, the owner of Duns as well I, I do cut our skins for her there, so, there you go look. So I just want that oh. noted yeah and, and, and thank you for having me back along with Mr. Paul Howard it's fantastic to be here oh you just for fuck's sake oh, really the intro. <laughs> I had waited three weeks for this intro <laughs> cut it out if you want and joining Gary is our bestest friend in in, in Irish uh uh, You've waited three weeks and you're doing this. <laughs> Still from an Irish. I'm only here because I couldn't get into Slimming World next door. <laughs> right, I opened this door and you were in here and I said I'd come in and do it. Sure. And here. that voice is now. the amazing Paul Howard. <laughs> Paul, thanks me for pleasure. Me. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Paul, why did you want to come on with Gary? Uh, I think I think he's a comedy genius. Um, I, I've I've uh, be, I joined WhatsApp recently. Thanks to me. Thanks to you, actually. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I thought WhatsApp. Uh, somebody had to come to the house to install it. <laughs> Shut up! Ah, yeah. you, Shut up! Are you for real? Yeah. And ah, everybody Paul. I tell that to, they look at me and say, "Are you for real?" I thought it was like getting Sky. I thought, <laughs> right? I thought, I thought an engineer was going to come to the house. And Mary kept saying to me, "Would you not get? Would you not get WhatsApp?" And I was going, "I'm too busy. I'm too busy." <laughs> too busy you said that to me the first time I and I was like it's not the app. so I thought so when I said I'm t- to Mary I'm too busy I, I thought I was going to have someone calling right so I was up against deadline for a book so then she said give, give me your phone I'll put it on now I said what <laughs> <laughs> so anyway but listen that's that's by the by right I am now part of this new world of WhatsApp and it's it's revolutionary right last night uh, somebody sent me a picture no video of one a, a member of the French women's football team uh, scoring with a header, and uh, you would think it's Van Dyke. Yeah, she's a yeah, spitz yeah, of Virgil yeah. Van Dyke. Same yeah. Yeah. So I got that, and I was sent able to send that on to like a hundred people with just the, the <laughs> click of a button. That's WhatsApp, and that's WhatsApp. Yeah, you know? but also one of the great benefits is I, I've uh, I've been able to watch uh, the great Gary Mackles. <laughs> 
uh, canon. Can I call it a canon? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> some of the finest comedy moments uh, <laughs> I've ever seen. I, and some of the, the, the exchanges at the door uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the machine, you know. Uh, and Cecil, Cecil John Joe Restrictor. I mean, it's, it's pure. I mean, it's, it's high stakes comedy. Like, so when I watch, when I watch Ali G. High stakes comedy. I'm just watching Ali G and I'm shaking watching it. Right? Cause I think he's going to get a box or your man's going to realize he's taking the piss. And I felt that same white knuckle terror watching you talk to the machine. Like it's just brilliant comedy. And the higher the stakes, the funnier it is, you know. I'm a machine so, brought someone as well to the door. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. The Sandy, American. the American. Yeah. Sandy. Yeah. yeah. And Sandy had a. Sandy sounded a bit. She had an agenda. I thought she, she did. I, 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 I was of the opinion that machines trying to rein me in, get yeah. me signed up, and Sandy was there to get it over the line. She's kind of a honeypot, then, is she? Bitch, we're, yeah. we're a little bit inside baseball here because the, yeah. the, the, the wider audience has no context to what the, what's what one of you do. You want to so, explain that? I was going to hand it over to Cecil oh, himself. Yeah, we let. Okay, so basically, uh, the doorbell rang one day, and there's this man. It was uh, on the lead up to repeal the eighth. Correct. Yeah. And there's a. I presumed as a politician or somebody, so I said, "I'll put the phone on a card, take the piss." But it ended up it was a Jehovah. Now I still don't know his real name, so yeah. I had a chat with him. Shot the breeze, <laughs> took the piss, and he gave me a magazine. He said, "Look, I'll drop you in a magazine once a yeah. week." I said, "Brilliant, perfect." So he knocked on the door the next day and I say into the phone, I'm going to call him machine and see if he, if he answers me. And notice a correction. I, I opened the door and I said, ah, machine. He goes, ah, oh, Cecil, how are you getting on? He's, he's, I just want to read you something out of the Bible. I said, brilliant. Really looking forward to it. So he reads it. So he's been coming back ever since. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'd be telling him that there was a brothel two doors up. And he, he, he bites, he asks, was she Polish? I said, yeah. He said, I'll get her to who are around back in Poland. But yeah, I've done it for, I suppose, slight personal entertainment, but it's hitting a slightly wider audience. Oh, it's, it's proper. Through uh, WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, happy TV. I mean, it's brilliant. The bit where, where he says he has a brother-in-law called Cecil in Australia, and, and then he says... Uh, uh, Victoria, that's in Melbourne, isn't it? You went, could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I've watched, I'd say I've watched them videos like a hundred times each, like, you know. Your dad has seen them, has he? My dad has seen them, my brothers, they love that kind of comedy, you know. And uh, the Howards are just mad about you, like, you know. <laughs> but the, 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 the dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the poor Don't man, uh, he, 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 I wouldn't say he's well, you know, but... Of course he's not real. He's a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> he believes he believes a load of nonsense. Like, he, you know, he, he, area, has he? he? He it's getting there. <laughs> but he, he I was in work the other day and he knocked in and uh, about a week ago, and my daughter and answers the door. She's nine and uh, he says, "Will you give that to, to your father? He'd be looking for it." Is everything okay with him? <laughs> Dicky thinks I'm a bit, you know. But uh, he's he's staying with me. But the next the plan of attack is. To, to, to get him into the kitchen and have it slightly set up I might tell him we're on Facebook live or something yeah, yeah. can we talk about religion and stuff and uh, just reel him in all, all the time you know I wonder if he's listening I doubt it get him in here yeah. get him in the <laughs> yes that would be amazing what an episode that would be you should actually be on every week <laughs> or once a month just talking about spiritual matters <laughs> <laughs> I live behind beside uh, uh, Jehovah's or Jehovah's Witnesses whatever they're called and 
I knocked in when I moved into the house. I moved in next door and I knocked in, say hello to the neighbours, introduced myself, and the guy says, the guy says to me, uh, I'm sorry, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. We keep ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> close the door. I was thinking, the first Jehovah's Witnesses I've ever met who, who do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense, because don't they believe that only a thousand people, you can ask Cecil or ask the machine this, uh, they believe there's only a thousand people get into heaven. That that's that's all. There's only room for a thousand. So really? wouldn't it be in your, your interests to keep it quiet? Yeah, Why are you telling everyone? You that's know? what you bring up the next time. Well, it would, at the first video, which I can't find, I don't think you can find it. When he said, "I seen Jehovah's Witnesses on the magazine," mm-hmm. and, and I said, "Did you believe that Mary um, was a whore?" Yeah, um, and that's how Jesus came along. He says, "Well, not quite." <laughs> <laughs> he had a bloke with him, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it's a, An very, a very old Englishman. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, he's going to be pissed off, right? If he dies and you die, and he goes up to Jehovah Heaven and you get the last place. How <laughs> <laughs> are you, the machine? Jack <laughs> Fucker was in Australia for years, and he got in. And he's property over there. I love that line as well. A property over there. It's a but nightmare. It's hard to get out of Jehovah's, isn't it? I'd say so. Yeah. yeah I yeah. don't think so. Like I don't think it's like the Sopranos or anything. <laughs> No, but I'd say it's fairly full on. Like, I'd say it requires a lot of time. But it's not like Scientology. They don't get you to compromise yeah. yourself early on and then bribe you. I think, I think you're in it. I, th- I think you can leave. I think right. you can. It's not like being, you know, a Rovers fan or anything where you're, <laughs> you're essentially a hostage for How would you be being a Rovers fan? Being a Rovers fan? You were a Rovers fan. And they they left Milltown, you see. Yeah. I never followed them uh, Beyond across the city. They went to Talca. And uh, I never went to Talca. So I, I said goodbye to them when they left Milltown. Did you actually say goodbye or did you say I'll be back when you get home? It was two buses. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bus into town and then a second bus. And I thought, you know, I mean, the football was all right. Football was just all right in those mm. days, you know. It wasn't great. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like mass. You'd go like twice a year your conscience is saying to you you haven't been now for a while <laughs> so then you'd go and then you'd remember why you stopped going that's the way it was for me for a right. few years you know and then and then I started I went back when when Ray Tracy was managing them at the RDS mm. uh, mid 90s yeah and they had that great team with Stephen Gagan and uh, Alan O'Neill mm. good team like you know and they won the league with Ray Tracy and it was amazing because, like, they were winning the league and Rovers fans were just abusing Ray Tracy, calling for him to be sacked while they were winning the league. Because it was one nil or something, probably. Yeah, no, do you know what it was? Ray, Ray had this idea that, that the League of Ireland shouldn't be professional. He wanted it to be amateur, and which was kind of against the, the, the drift of the league at the time. They were going towards more and more professionalism, you know? And... Uh, his idea was that it shouldn't be your wages, it should supplement your wages. So he said that uh, being a League of Ireland player should be the difference between living in a three-bedroom house and a four-bedroom house. So that was his notion. Mm. But so they knew... To Rovers fans, that's usually if you have four kids or five kids. Yeah. <laughs> we left the fifth kid. <laughs> I'm in the Rovers first 11, I left the fifth kid. But... Uh, I think he, they knew before the end of the season that the, that the two lads were gone. Like they went, to, I think they both went to Shelburne. I can't remember. I was on maybe one of them went. One, maybe one of them went north or something. 
But anyway, they they knew before the end of the season that this great team was was disbanded, being sent out. Yeah, we we'll get you back this year for a match. You promise me? Yeah, yeah. A ma- I'll do mass, <laughs> and I'll do them on the same day. Do they play on Sundays? Uh, they might do when they're in Europe. It should be probably noted at this point oh. that you're a shareholder in Rovers, isn't that correct? I'm a you, member. You have vested interests financially. Yeah. 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 Has, okay. I'm a member. Has that, you know, without prying into your financial affairs, has that paid out at all? Like, I it's mean, not would for you that, be, Paul. It's would for you, no, but would you be member. in receipt of regular dividends? No, no. You just, no. It's just member and you go, you pay membership and you get a season ticket and you go to the AGM. I wouldn't I'm, be surprised mm. the next time there's a huge fucking financial crisis in the League of Ireland if he's pulled in. Yeah. You're going to show you. You're legally a shareholder though, are you? I'm a, or you're, I'm you're a, a member. Con, you're a contributor. I'm a member. So well, you pay that, does membership. That, does that involve having shares in Shamrock Rovers? Well, it's a, it's it, the fans own the club, so yeah. Okay. So, you, so you do Did have... Did you read the document properly, Meryl? I'm part owner. <laughs> I won't be lectured well, by you two. No, it's, okay? just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. an observation that you mm-hmm. are a shareholder. Or, uh, yeah, you made a, an allegation there about accounts. Nothing to do with the accounts. Look at him. He's pointing I, that pencil. Very defensive rovers, aren't they? I should put the, the thumbs. Yeah. And would you? Are you fans of the the national game yourselves, lads? No, 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 never no. was. I gave Bray Wanderers a go. Right. Everyone's given Bray Wanderers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not. No, like, my, yeah. my father, Lord Reston, put me off anything to do with Bray because he said. In the 70s and 80s, if you were walking up Bray Main Street, instead of people saying hello to you, they'd say, good. <laughs> and I just thought, that must be riddled up there. Yeah, he said they would greet you with good. Instead of, how are you? Good. So that, that, was, it, that was it for me. Yeah. Um, but no, not out of ignorance. I just brought over to Old Trafford in 92 and... And that was it for oh, me. The glamour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. and we, we went to the Cliff training ground, met all the players. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Bitten by the bug, you know. Yeah. What, what I remember from my time going to see Rovers, uh, when, on the European nights, they played Celtic mm. once. The last one. That was in the RDS, was it? No, that, oh, was, that was in Milltown. The atmosphere was amazing. Like, the atmosphere in Milltown was truly incredible. Uh, but... Uh, it's the first time I was ever involved in a baton charge. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got baton charged, and uh, it was a bunch of us in the crowd. Was my dad there? <laughs> possibly, quite possibly, you know. But somebody walked across the pitch holding a, a banner that said, uh, "No brutality, Port Leisha." Like so, it was, this was against the backdrop of the troubles, like you know, and and the uh, fellas who were involved down here getting hassled by the special special branch and everything, you know. So. There was an atmosphere at the game. I don't know why there was an edge at that game because I would have thought politically Celtic and yeah. and the Rovers fans would have been the same, kind of, same side. Well, defense, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean there was there was no one, there was no unionists there, you know. But the guardie waded into the crowd. The batons like they're swinging the batons, and and anyway, so I just I going home from the match and I saying. Uh, I'd be fine as long as me dad doesn't get the paper tomorrow. Like, and me dad always bought the Daily Mirror. He never bought an Irish paper. But if my dad was had read what was going on at those those matches, like you know, I wouldn't have been been allowed to go. Really? And then Ireland played a daily amount of the time, and like I was like fourteen, and my mum and dad let me go across the city, like with a bunch of other fourteen year olds, to see Ireland play. Like we saw them play against Italy in '82. When Italy were world champions, like Paolo Rossi and Marco Tardelli, and it was yeah. a great match, great um, team. And it's, there was it's this, just the famous pictures with the fans in the yeah, roof. Yeah, standing on the yeah. roof, like, you know. 
And Paul McGrath's debut, was it? Yeah, yeah. Paul McGrath's debut for Ireland. Paddy Bonner, maybe. Paddy Bonner played. Might have been his first match as well. And there's a famous photograph of, uh, uh, I think, Tony Greedish lining up a free kick. And then you just see behind, on the, standing on the shed, there's about 30 or 40 fans, like with docks and, you know, tricolours wrapped around them. And Deadly. Like, you know, it was, it was amazing. But that match was amazing because... It was kind of a pre, it was kind of like a pre-echo of, of of Hillsborough, in that there was a crush in the crowd, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> some really really smart Garda opened the gate and let every they just let everybody in. Like there was a crush outside, and they let everyone into the ground, even paying or not. And then suddenly we're all pressed up against the fence and we're suffocating, like you know. Jesus. And this Garda came along, just went and opened the door and let everybody onto the pitch. Really smart thing to do, like yeah. And then we watched the match, uh, sitting behind the advertising, like as close as I am to you, to the goal. Like you know, we could have reached out and stopped the ball going in, uh, which I didn't because it was a two-one win for Italy. I could have stopped the first goal. Definitely was disappointed with myself. About that. But it was it was amazing. Like you know, but the atmosphere at matches in those days was great. Like it's a wonder no one was killed. But but there were, there was just something really raw about those matches because there was nothing. There was no niceties. There was no corporate schmoozing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you couldn't get a beer in the ground, so you had to you had to drink it all your whole quota for the night before you before went to the you match. Ran, yeah. And people would be pissing down your leg and stuff like that. You know, it was great. Jump ahead, yeah. right? Because. Then it's the anniversary of uh, USA '94. Yeah, you didn't work that, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was working in the Tribune. Yeah, and uh, did you go to USA? Or? No, no, no. The worst thing about being a sports journalist is you end up missing everything. Like you know, like Conor Hoolan said about Italian '90. He said I missed Italian '90. I was there, <laughs> and and right. it's a thing about working that close to a sporting event. You don't get to see anything because you're working the whole time. You've got your head down your laptop yeah. or, or in those days, there were no laptops. You'd have to ring up copy with your notebook and read out your scribblings. Well. Like, and the copy taker would always say after about two paragraphs, are you sure they want all this? And you've got like 40 <laughs> paragraphs to go. <laughs> She's already bored. Are you sure they want all this? Uh, but so Italian 90, every one of those matches... I was watching in the office, like you know, coming up against the coming up the deadline. Same Italian ninety and the two yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just starting out journalism in Italian ninety. So I remember watching. Uh, yeah, of the five matches in Italian ninety, I'd say I watched three in the office while while working while under a deadline. Pressure. And was there a crack at all? Like, you was it? We was all there. Or? Yeah, we were all there that night. You saw the photograph on Twitter, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there was about I think there was twelve or thirteen of us. And in those days... Was Vincent there? Vincent had just gone at that stage. He just right. left. So Peter Murta was the editor. And in them days, uh, everything was set. There was no sending stuff down the phone line, ISDN lines or anything. Like when the match was over, the page was was mocked, was made up on the st- what they call the stone, which was a sort of slanty wooden bench thing. And it was done with like, you printed out the article like in a big long strip and then it was cut, spliced with a scalpel and stuck down using gum onto the page. And the photograph was gummed to the gum. page. Yeah. yeah. And then it was sent down to the camera room. We took a picture of it and made a negative. And then the negatives were rolled up and they were given to a courier who got on his bike uh, to Ashburn and went drove up Ashburn with the pages. And if he'd had an accident on the way, there was no paper the next Jesus day. Everything, everything just hung by a thread. It was amazing. 
but a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie. Uh, like I remember that match more fondly because I watched it with people I was working with than I would have watched it in a pub. If I watched right. it in a pub, mm. I'd have been pissed. I wouldn't have probably remembered it. Like I mm. remembered why it was so significant. But just the crack of watching it and then knowing it, if, if they held on, it was going to be the front page and the first like 10 pages of the paper. But if Italy had equalized, it would have been, you know, moved down the page or something like. And then, of course, that photograph you saw, what what I only realized yesterday when I was looking, it was taken at about 10 o'clock. And about 10 minutes later, the Lock and Island massacre Jeez, happened. Yeah. And that was that night. But it was too late. It was too late to make the paper. Our paper went to press about half 10. So the next day, we the headline of the Tribune is New York Giants and it's all about the match. But of course, the whole conversation had changed. Yeah. The next day, everyone was talking about this <clears throat> senseless massacre. Like, you know. Wow. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, fast forward to Saipan 2002. I remember I walked into a news agent behind... Um, behind UCD in between UCD and Montrose I was in my painting apprenticeship at the time and you were on the radio oh right yeah and of course there was no smartphones at the time but I just heard Roy Keane has left the camp and you're, you're sitting there going what the fuck but I mean that was a real moment in football history wasn't it Irish football history yeah Very depressing. I mean I was stunned you yeah. know that was what, what was it like to be to hear that and, and, and engage I, with it. Did you me. expect I, it? Yeah. I mean, no, no, but I mean, I knew there was going to be trouble between them. You could see it. You could kind of feel it building Months up. Months in advance. Or? Probably. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I kind of sensed this in September with that, that handshake at the mm. match. match. And I, that November, I pitched a book to the O'Brien Press called The Gaffers. And it was it was all about how these two men who hated each other uh, somehow found some way to work together uh, to motivate this team. One was carrot and one was stick. <clears throat> and so I had I had most of that book written when I was going off to the World Cup. And the World Cup <clears throat> was supposed to be the very ending. Like that was kind of the, the denouement of the book. And then suddenly this thing happened. I thought they'd hold it together for the World Cup. I really did. I thought they might possibly kill each other afterwards. And I always fancied McCarthy in a fight. <laughs> with Keane really oh, I, th- I think he would have broken him in two like you know uh, but I, I think you're wrong really yeah. Mick was a big guy in those he days he was when he was a player but uh, he was obviously 50 yeah but he's like 6 foot 6 foot 3 Roy was like 5 foot 8 I don't know I think you know I don't know I, th- I always thought McCarthy was, was harder but he never showed it because he was happier <laughs> <laughs> but I thought they'd hold it together I really did I, th- I thought it didn't make any sense for Roy Keane but then why would why would sense come into it like you know um, so they went off I, I wasn't in Saipan so our, the Tribune and lot, most papers actually because we weren't a daily newspaper they said well we won't we won't send to Saipan that's just a week of relax R&R like before they get to the World Cup we'll send to Japan so I was I was flying from uh, Dublin to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam to Tokyo with about 80 other journalists. And uh, we we were at, the interview had appeared, maybe it was that morning with Tom Humphreys, where he said, where Keane said all this stuff yeah. about the players, yeah, about yeah. maybe they should ask themselves wh- why they are where they are and all that kind of thing. And then by the time we got to Amsterdam, uh, the news was he was gone. 
was gone permanently. Actually, I tell a lie. The interview, the, that interview appeared the day before, and then the night before, Roy Keane was going home, and then the following morning, he changed his mind and he was staying. And then by the time we got to Amsterdam, we all turned on our phones and had messages from the office saying he's gone. So we still couldn't believe it. Like you know, I I did think when we were in the air over Europe and and uh, and Asia, I still did think something would happen. Someone would, it, it would settle down and, such, yeah. and would fix it. <clears throat> but by that stage, it was it was too late. You know. Do you think? Um, I remember going mad at the time, thinking, "Why the fuck did the journalist print this?" Yeah, thinking, you know, he's 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 reveling here that he's got so many quotes. Yeah, could he not just hold it in till, yeah, after the first game or do you know what I mean? The funny thing do is, do you think the Humphreys? <laughs> not that I care about Tom Humphreys anymore, but yeah, do you think, uh, he did, he would that wouldn't went through his mind, would it? It did actually. No, it did. Uh, the st- the story he tells <clears throat> he told in his book was that. Him and Kimmage both interviewed Keane on the same day and they interviewed him separately and <clears throat> Keane had relationships with both of them like you know he was kind of gave them both interviews regularly over the years and they both interviewed him on the same day and Kimmage's piece was going to run on Sunday and he had a deal with with Humphreys that Humphreys would hold his piece till the Saturday because if somebody scoops you by three or four days your piece is dead, like. But if Humphreys comes out on the Saturday and then Kimmich comes out on the Sunday, they're almost complimentary pieces, like, you know, because mm-hmm. people read their times on the Saturday and then, oh, there's more of, in that flavour the following day. And Humphreys rang Maliki Logan, the sports editor of the Irish Times, and told him what he had. And Maliki Logan said, you can, you're not holding that. And he said, but we have a deal. I had a deal with Paul Kimmage. And Maliki said, I don't care who you have a deal with. Your, your only deal is with the, ed- the editor of the Irish, Irish Times and the readership of the Irish Times. You have a huge story there. We need to run that tomorrow. So uh, Kimmage and, and, and Humphreys fell out for a while, for a long time afterwards. You know, they, you know, they, they, they fell out badly over it. I don't think they spoke to each other for a while. Uh, and... But the the significant thing about that is, if if that story had held until Saturday, that Saipan would have been gone. They would have been in Japan when it broke, and I think, I think it would have been too late for Keane to leave then. See, the problem with Saipan was, I went to Saipan afterwards, about five years after, about five years after uh, the the whole thing blew up in two thousand and seven. The Tribune sent me to do a kind of Saipan five years on piece. And I went there and I couldn't believe it, like, you know. I mean, if, if I'd known the things about Saipan uh, in 2002 that I knew subsequently, I would have totally coloured what I was writing. Like what? Saipan was, as far as I could see, it, it existed uh, prostit- for prostitution. Like, there was, no, there was nothing else in Saipan. There were, Saipan is a, it's an American protectorate. So uh, they have a, the US Navy has a presence there. And just moored off the coast of Saipan, there was three ships, three naval, American naval ships. And they, would, they were in a triangle and they just move. One would go there and that one would move there and that one would move there. And, they just, and whichever one was closest to the shore, they were on shore leave. And they would come in and be hundreds, a couple of thousand uh, US sailors. And there was like just prostitutes everywhere. Like, you know? Jesus Christ. And even, even in the bar, <clears throat> even in the breakfast room, of the hotel I stayed in, 
like prostitutes, like propositioning you, you know? Um, and it was everywhere. And I can see why Roy Keane would have arrived there and looked around and gone. And he would have, I mean, he, I got it, I, I got it the second I left the airport. Within about five minutes of leaving the airport, I looked around and I said, ah, I totally get what this island is about. I understood it. And Keane's a far more intuitive man than I am. And I think he knew we're here because uh, we're here for the wrong reasons. Like, why, why this island? Of all the places in the world we could have ended up, why here? Keane was off to drink at the time. And, you know, there's, there's boozing going on. Like, you know, there's boozing and there's hookers everywhere. And, and were the lads on the piss? Like, the, the players? They were. I mean, they were, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were. They were on the piss, yeah. And someone was telling me one of the players was banging on Keane's door. Oh, Keane, oh, Keane, oh. Coming back to his room, like, you know. Now, look, the, the thing about it is, like... Like Roy Keane is no Mother Teresa, you know. Mm. Like he, when he was drinking, like especially kind of around the time of US ninety four, he was as he was as bad as anyone, mm. worse than anyone. Uh, he admits that as well, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, but he obviously had difficulties with alcohol and decided, right, I need to give this up. Uh, but a lot of people who give up alcohol develop a kind of resentment for people who who can just have one drink or can just have three drinks, you know. Mm. So there was a lot going on. There was a huge amount going on under the surface. And but that island, I, I think about that island all the time. I really do. Like it's it was an amazing place. And how they got there was really interesting. Ray Tracy was at, at an airport one at Dublin Airport one day and he got chatting to this American guy. And this American guy said, uh, oh uh who are you? So he says, I'm a travel agent for the Irish football team. He said, what, who are you? He said, oh, I live in a place called Saipan uh, in, you know, the Pacific Ocean. He said, we happen to be looking for a base like for the Irish team. So that's how he wrote his name on the back of a cigarette packet Jesus and gave it to, to Trasser. And and this this is how they end up there. And John White was the guy's name. So I went out, it was supposed to be second or third generation Irish. Anyway, I went out and I met John White in Saipan and I might be maligning the guy, right? But John White, to me, was a spook. Like, John, everything about John White said CIA. Just, there was, like, he even had the, he had the haircut and the glasses. Just, just look at it. I said, so what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, this and that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this and that in Saipan? At a ministry base? just struck me as, this guy, is, this guy is, is American intelligence, you know? That's what I thought. Like, that was my impression of him. I remember when I was leaving, I was going home. <laughs> I was going through airport security. And he said, I'll see you at the airport. And he never showed up. So I went through security. And I'm uh, just about to board the flight from Saipan to Tokyo on my way home. And the next thing, I see him just walking through. Walk, like, wasn't stopped or anything. Just got to walk straight through and met me in the little departure no, I there, you know. A very nice man. But I, I could be wrong, but he just struck me as... A spook. <laughs> just a spook. So, like, you, you know, know when you when you say <laughs> you arrived and you knew after five minutes this yeah. was just session central. Was it by like the layout? Was it just like r- arriving smack bang in the middle of Tenerife? Like, like, or? No, it was it was there was something seemly about like I'm not a prude, like, you know, I'm I've I've seen a lot I've been around a lot of corners in my time, but I'm not a prude. But I knew this this is a sex island. Okay. Like yeah, this yeah. is a sex yeah. industry island. So it's not a sex it's not just a sex island, it's a sex industry island. It's it has one one function. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. And, yeah no, I'm yeah. not saying that's why the FAI went there. <laughs> but you can imagine Roy Keane he's 
he thinks Ireland can win the World Cup. I mean, he, he's going to the World Cup mm-hmm. to win it. He's not going to get knocked out in the quarterfinals. He's going yeah. to win the World Cup. And, you know, he turns up at the hotel and there's, you know, women with hula hula skirts propositioning you. It's, <laughs> you know, it was, it was such a... It's one of the... I spent three days there and they were three of the strangest days I ever spent in journalism. Just bizarre. Utterly, utterly weird. That's, That's fascinating. Yeah, it, it is well. fascinating. I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Isn't it cast? I went like 17 years on and Saipan is still yeah, like yeah. a hot topic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, if yeah. You, if you start Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is like, yeah. But it's it'll never be settled because you've United fans are obviously sick by Roy and everyone fucking else is like yeah. Yeah. And, despite the fact that, yeah. and despite the fact that as the years have gone by like the, the arguments have diluted and you know swapped over yeah. almost and all that but people but are still but does that argument much, like, there then support Roy even more it gives him more ammunition but yeah. it supports him but I mean it, it does like I mean as positive you're Roy Kane you think you're, you're, you're going to win the World Cup what yeah. the fuck are we doing here like yeah. you know what I mean but, but yeah. I, I'll be honest right I would have I would have been about 60 40 in Keane's favor back then but everything subsequent to that has made me believe about 5% more in Mick McCarthy just cuz he's yeah. the contrarian that he's become well yeah i mean look at look at how it ended with man united look at how yeah. it ended with ireland there's just something in Roy Keane that destructive thing that he he couldn't have a testimonial. Like he couldn't yeah. like he couldn't say goodbye to United the way Beckham did or, you know, the, the way many great players did. With many the, great players know, had rows of Fergie though, not only Roy Keane. Yeah, yeah. But, Stan, but when it kicked off Vanessa with, Roy with United, Beckham. the whole MUTV thing. Like he, he had certain good arguments there as well, mm. because an example was Kieran Richardson had played four first team games and they had lost one nil to Villarreal. And in the dressing room after the game, Kieran Richardson has gone around with this folder of uh, accessories for his Bentley. Will I get a walnut wheel? Will I get this? You know, yeah. Keane thought, what the fuck is going on here? I think Fletcher had done something similar. So there was something brewing. But I think when he sees standards dropping, yeah, he, he just can't deal with it, you know? Like, can you imagine him around Pogba? You know, no, the story. No, no. Like, you know it's this it's story about Pogba, uh, about the Bentley. Have you heard that story? Yeah, with the chauffeur. That, that Mourinho was negotiating with his agent for how long Pogba was prepared to stay in the in the team bus before he switched to the Bentley. Mm-hmm. And I think he agreed that he would stay in the team bus for a mile outside the ground and then he would switch to the Bentley. Yeah. Can you imagine Roy Keane? Tolerating that. Toler- he would have broken him in two. No, no, nobody should tolerate that. He'd have broken that. the Bentley in two. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like- see, I think, I think Mourinho is, is, a, is a great manager. Mm. And I think... I think United did the wrong thing in sacking him. I know it's an unpopular view. That's a Liverpool fan coming out now. Bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're enjoying I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I keep him there forever. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. He was the right manager at the wrong time because yeah. clearly the, the club is a cesspit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just... I don't know. If you're talking so, about like cesspits and you're talking about, you know, international level disasters on the scale with Saipan, Daniel Lads, Bally Blackpool's training camp in Butlins. <laughs> <laughs> something something what, happens, what happens in Butlin stays in Butlin <laughs> <laughs> what happened were you off the drink or something and yours that's Russell Carroll Kelly stuff he's making the piss 
We never had a, a camp. We don't do camps. Speaking of, uh, of Rosser, the 498 Ross edition yeah. is, is due out soon. Schmidt happens. Schmidt happens, yeah, yeah. I love when the names yeah. are yeah. released. I, I love could, it. I, I hadn't got the name for ages and then it came to me and... Uh, and I knew it was, you know, you always kind of know when, oh, that's, I think that's the one, you know, so send it to Penguin. They always run it past Eason's, because Eason's always, <laughs> Eason's actually say, no, that's not good enough. Back really? Eason's? Yeah, 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 Eason's? Yeah, yeah. Eason's sell about 90% of the books in Ireland. Okay, yeah. And they're generally right. They've sent titles back to me that I wasn't altogether happy with. Yeah. It's kind of good that, you know, they're there, that they actually you, give you, you an you opinion. You mind that, do you? Just for about an hour. <laughs> you know? I always, I have this rule that, you know, <laughs> Just no, don't trust your feelings for the first hour. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially anger. Like, just, mm. you know, who the fuck did they take that? All right, an hour. Give it an And then I go, yeah. But Schmidt happens. I kind of knew dog. it was a good one, like, you know. But me tr- the trick was, uh, I, was doing a, I was doing a gig with Joe Schmidt in, uh, in, the, in Jury. I still call it Jury's in Balls Bridge. So I was interviewing Joe Schmidt, Simon Easterby, Richie Murphy, and um, uh, Andy Farrell, right? So the four of them, it was very, the Purple House charity team, mm. Purple House and Bray. And uh, I thought, right, I know Joe Schmidt's sensitive about his name, like, you know, and, and about you mocking him. Is like, he? Yeah, well, especially about the, the rhyming slang. <laughs> the shit, Schmidt. The, the Schmidt hits the fan, all that kind of thing, you <laughs> He's know? He's well, he's not, he's not cranky, but Richie had said to me, oh, I believe your book is called that. And I said, yeah. And he said, I, I won't tell Joe. And I said, what do you mean? He said, <laughs> uh, he said, yeah, Joe's a bit sensitive about stuff like that. He probably won't like it, you know. So I was, I was like, I was already nervous doing the event, but yeah. I was doubly nervous when I thought this might come up, you know. So I managed to keep it quiet until the day, uh, the day of the event. And that's when it was announced Eason's put it up on their social media like that it was called the next book is called Schmidt Happens so I'm going in there that night and I think Shit, did he see it like, and I introduce them all and they come out and they sit down in the chairs and I ask the first question and Simon Easterby said uh, well just before I answer that question can we ask you a question what do you mean by slagging off uh, the Ireland coach on the, on the cover of your new book and it's this silent everyone's they're all just staring at me and then they all burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was terrified. Like, I thought, you know, I thought he was angry yeah. with me. Don't want Joe Schmidt to be angry with me. Journalists like not. you and you're terrified. Yeah. I've lost it, you see. Right. I've lost that edge. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there used to be a day, like, I could, I could sit there at a Michelle Smith press, press conference, like, just asking questions, staring her down, like, you yeah. know. Not anymore. It's sort of you and McKenna's of the world now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's only you and McKenna left. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. see, Ewan doesn't have to sit in the press conference. Ewan's in Brazil. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> throwing, throwing grenades. Throwing, yeah, gra- yeah. throwing grenades across the, the, the Atlantic. So, uh, yeah, but, but definitely, definitely gone soft. There's none of that anymore anyway. There's no kind of confrontations at press conferences anymore. Everything's been now. Everything's been now. But that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's wrong because a lot of the... A lot of our, our, our journalists are now working for the government, aren't they, as advisors to in, individual Fine Gael politicians? Yeah, yeah well, you know. We're getting on to Fine Gael, are we? No. I was no. going to ask, the only thing I'll ask you about Fine Gael is that, uh, was it a missed opportunity in the book? Like, did you get the Marie Bailey stuff in the swing? No, it was too late. Ah, it was too late. Yeah. I'd get it in the next one, like, you know. I, had to, I, did, a, I did an event at Dorky Book Festival last Friday, and I opened with 
uh, it's great to be here to read to the people who voted for Maria <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> and uh, there was there was that five seconds of silence, and then then oh, they laughed, you know. But and then I just hammered them, like I just kept saying, like, you know, it's great great to see so many of you actually made it into your seats tonight. You know, for those of you who who couldn't, I'll have cards for Madigan solicitors later on. <laughs> And then I did this thing about the cocktail they're selling in Finnegan's, the uh, Bailey's Irish claim. Uh, a bottle of wine, a bottle of beer. And then you're suddenly picking yourself up off the ground, looking for witnesses. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's one of those ones. It's kind of, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you parody that. Like it's yeah. just, it is parody. That Sean, the, the, the Sean O'Rourke interview is, um, oh, anyone geez. who, anyone from South Dublin, who who heard that and and has experience of people like Maria Bailey would have sent a shudder down their spine. Like, I remember that voice from my childhood. I remember women like that, you know. How dare you? Sean, 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 Sean! I was injured. How dare you? You know, that adenoidal, squeaky yeah. voice, like, you know. The injured, why did you withdraw the claim? Yeah, I mean, you know. I love the... Uh, you ran a 10k and then gave the time or whatever and then that was a good time not for me Sean not for me. <laughs> I, love, I love that yeah but see what I hate about it is the, the notion that uh, that everybody's at it and Fine Gael have been doing this thing recently where they're trying to say it's the culture is the problem we need to tackle the culture rather than and that's just purely to evade individual responsibility like the, the Sicilians have a phrase I can't say it in Italian but <laughs> In English, it's, you know, if we are all guilty, then none of us is guilty. That you just basically say, well, it's all of us, yeah. you know. So, so Maria Bailey doesn't need to really answer for it. Like, she doesn't need to be punished beyond, you know. Jesus, the complete opposite ridicule. of that scene from Chernobyl. Did any of you watch that? No, that no. I watched it. I believe it's fabulous. I, I chose it's to watch The Virtues instead. It's unbelievable. The depressing dramas. Th- there's a scene in it where basically, like, your man, one of the scientists that's, like, basically going, holy fuck, the world needs to know about this. He realises the KGB is following him. And then there's a scene where the head of the KGB is talking to him. One of his friends is being arrested and he's like, what's going on? And he's like, well, he's like, come on, the KGB has him. So the KGB is not a big horror story. It's not the big scaredy ghost everyone thinks it is. It's a circle of accountability. So someone has to be accountable. And he just kind of leaves it hanging long mm-hmm. enough that even you feel awkward watching it. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a complete fucking opposite of kind of like, oh, well, if we're all guilty, nobody yeah. can be guilty. You know what I mean? It's more like... We'll fucking get you. Well, I was saying on Twitter, like, about it, that this notion that we're all at it. Like, uh, somebody else from Finnegal, some local said, everybody knows somebody who's got a claim. I don't. Like, when I was a kid, I I, I opened a jam jar and I cut my finger here. The the glass was broken in the jar and I turned it and I sliced my fingers open. This one here, this one here, and this one here. And down to, up to Lockenstein Hospital, got the fingers stitched. And my mother went, brought the jar back to Tesco's and said, we bought it. My mother was just wanted the, a new jar of jam, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they took her name and, oh, no, we insist we take her number and all the rest. Or took her, we didn't have a phone, so she just took the address. Anyway, a week later, somebody from Robinson's dra- Jam arrives at 122 Crom Lake Fields. With, <laughs> with, of jam. with two trays of jam, like 40 <laughs> jars of jam, like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, You'd have been happy with that, though. No, what, like what? My mother sent me around the neighbours with the jam. <laughs> <laughs> like we couldn't even enjoy. Like that's how much the guilt extended. Yeah, like, yeah. 
that we couldn't even enjoy 40 jars of jam. We didn't say, that's a jam bought for the year. Yeah, because but she sent me out with them, giving them to the neighbours, like 40 <laughs> houses got a jar of jam. But, but the honest logic to that is that you're, you're, you've done it and you're kind of saying, well, you don't think claim you think that's my accident that yeah, I caused yeah. Yeah. like she fell off a swing that's her accident yeah. she's oh, something shit that happened to yeah. you that's I, it. Yeah, how, how can you win, win money yeah. I fell down a set of stairs in a well known school in Rathmichael and Shankill that were renamed nameless <laughs> <laughs> oh it could be one of 30 yeah <laughs> you know and I'm not going to make it any more obvious what school it is other than to say Chris DeBoer has a lot to do with it um, <laughs> but I fell down the stairs in that school doing the delivery and the attitude was bollocks I better get them another box of bananas so there was no like I'm not to fall on her yeah, yeah there was yeah. no like I'm putting it in against the boss I'm putting it in against the school it was more fuck I hope none of the six years see me that would be real more top. Do you know what I mean? Like the Great Fire in Lawrence's of two thousand and one, he claimed sixty thousand. Gary Mackle claimed sixty thousand euro off the board of management. I got sent home for four days because I fucking said the thing. Oh, oh no, that, no, that was the fire alarm. Sorry, I'm thinking of something. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're thinking of the, the bomb scare, the, the toffee hammer thing. Yeah, yeah. What was that? You set fire to the sc- you fella called Ian Lewins. Yeah, Inch we called him. He's about that height. We uh, talking to him today actually. We done a, a dare. Something happened in the class, and whoever lost the dare had to set the fire alarm off. An inch had a toffee hammer on his key ring, so of course I lost the fucking bet. And uh, the bell went into the next class. I fucking lashed the fire alarm, but I dropped the keys when I ran. And Mister Heffernan knew that it was inch's keys. That's Cinderella stuff, isn't yeah, it? So Even the glass yeah. So fucking Frank McGuinness arrives into biology. Michael, yeah, get out. Like a cow, moon. And uh, <laughs> set off the set off the fire alarm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he said, uh, "Gobshites will always be gobshites." <laughs> You're a gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> he said, now go home and tell your father that you not to send you back till Tuesday of next week. It <laughs> was fucking murder. But no, the fire, we were doing our geography yeah. exam at the evening cert, and there was a fire in the canteen. Yeah. And, oh, really? Uh, remember yeah. that, yeah, I remember and, that. And uh, I got blamed for it. Nothing to do with me. Um, but I gave an interview to RTE. Robert Short, the journalist. Yeah, yeah. Robert Short. Lo- lovely fella, actually. And, <laughs> and, and the secretary and another number of assistants and teachers seeing Gary. They were on the top of the steps. I'll never forget it. They're on the top of the steps. Gary's at the top of the hill talking, and all they heard was Hillsborough. <laughs> from him and they legged it down and begged RTE not to go and not to go with it the only thing I will say and this I love, no! the, I the, love the way you phrase it I gave an interview to RTE <laughs> <laughs> look the only thing I will say is the doors genuinely were locked and we couldn't get out oh yeah, yeah. and uh, the other end of the building Gary yeah but brother Jim uh, came over Mid-interview, when I was being interviewed, and he says to Robert Short, um, he has done nothing but give guff in this school for the last six years. Why are you speaking to him? And I just said, look, I could have died in there. 
and I walked off actually because I knew just get out of here you know? the canteen is like that old the, the old gym that's where somebody said it being on fire that's yeah. where the fire so was so Jim assassinated your character yeah rather than have you taken as a serious Jim, person on our team Jim uh, when take we were, it seriously <laughs> <laughs> take that I gave it into that's the best when we were graduating uh, you know where you're called up and you shake Jim's hand yeah. and he hands you the cert or whatever yeah. he goes by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my father goes, what did he say to you there? Nothing, nothing. He said, well done. <laughs> they didn't know anything. That Miss O'Shea managed you that day as well. Yeah, yeah. She was bulling over you. She's looking great, by the way. Yeah. I don't know how she, she must going. eat some amount of rhubarb because she doesn't age. <laughs> no, she's, just, she's like Benjamin Button or something. Yeah. Yeah. Rhubarb has rhubarb yeah. got rhubarb. properties. <laughs> They come from the ground. They didn't come to eat shit from the ground, don't they? <laughs> um, but she, she looks great. I met her in in, does, in, yeah. in Dunn's doors on two days before Christmas. Yeah, and uh, she looks great. But we, I was trying to remember. I was saying to Mary, I was trying to remember how old she was. She was supposed to retire the year I did the leaving, and that's thirty one she, years so she ago. Was still there when so she was must there. be well into her eighties. I, like, I left she's comfortably. She's she, she yeah. retirement ages. I left Lawrence's in two thousand seven. She had three retirements. Yeah, but yeah. In that's, in, that's in right. my span in that school, yeah, she had three retirements. She's got to be in her eighties. She has to be like absolutely in her eighties. I met Mister Glenan there last week, and um, he left in two thousand and. Two at sixty five. Yeah, but he was. I was like, oh, we were just reminiscing, and he's like, oh sure, I had to go. They kicked me out of the door because of retirement age. I said they didn't do that to Miss O'Shea, and yeah. he's just kind of laughed and he said, oh, she had three or four retirements. Yeah, because she was there be- beyond him. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. That's what she 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 moved to so was there anything worse, right, than bumping into a teacher from school? in your life outside of school. Oh. I remember we bumped into Mr. Glenan in Woody's and Sally Noggin <laughs> while I was still in school. I was just, it, like the trauma of it, I can still feel it because you don't know how to relate well, to the teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. know how to relate yeah, to that yeah. teacher yeah. in Woody's. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're kind of thinking, I give him cheek in school and then you're with your parents and you're kind of thinking, I wonder if he's going to tell them like yeah. that I... I, I, yeah. I can go on a lot better, right? Do you remember Lisa Barnes? She <laughs> you been, always can go she, on she, Do you remember Lisa Barnes? Lisa Barnes was in the year... Two years below me in school. Yes. So, so Lisa would have taught us all business studies and maths. Yeah. And as life panned out, I was starting out with Lisa's cousin and <laughs> subsequently married her. And Lisa gets engaged then, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago-ish. And we're invited to the to engagement our, party. To our, construction, to our woodwork teacher. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we were invited, and it didn't dawn on me, there's probably going to be some teachers there, you know? Because yeah. oh, we, we were a bit delayed getting there. And uh, we walk I mean, in. They're just to put context to this, this chap was a torment in school. Yeah. No, they was, hated school was more of a social thing for you. me. They hated <laughs> you. Yeah. You didn't apply yourself and they hated you. Did any teacher like you? Um, Terry Dooley. A great ah, yeah. He was yeah. A yeah. Yeah. yeah, he liked everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Like Sorry he, he was fantastic. Um, so anyway, long story short, we, we walk into Lisa's house. Paddy Penders there. <laughs> Miss Morgan. Anne McCarry like all the characters and I walk in and it was like it was like fucking Saddam Hussein walked in you know Paddy Pender on my word of honour he had a glass of wine and he had a little bit of cheese and a cocktail stick and he's just about to put it into his mouth and he goes like this I said to Gemma listen I'm just gonna go because this is anyway it was a brilliant night and actually do do you remember
Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was. He's still there. Elephants. And we were going. And he's in the front garden. Jocks around his ankles having a shite. <laughs> That will not make the cut. If there was, if, if there was smartphones out, like he's gone. Like, no, you know some of them teachers listen to this, so that has to go. And, yeah. and I believe some of them do. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Maybe I'll tell you a libelous one afterwards as well. Yeah. Like, you know. Look, what do you for, think for about the record? Me? For the record, I want to say St. Lawrence's was a great school. Fantastic ah, school. Characters. And, and characters. I wouldn't trade my experience in that school for any anything else. No, but no. Was, was it Mr. McGuinness one of the best characters you'd ever come across? He was evil, yeah. but he was a character. I don't know if he, he was, was evil. evil. Yeah. I, I tell you something about nah, Mr. Evil McGuinness. Some of the lads. When I, see, when I go to schools now, uh, when I do readings and stuff like that in schools, I can't believe how well-behaved kids are. Generally, like, you know, like I go into, say, I go into Blackrock or, you know, Pres Bray or something like that. And I'm reading for the kids. Everybody sits there attentively and listens. Mm. We would have been fucking like, we, <laughs> oh, we no, would have been shouting stuff out, trying to give, the, trying to give the nerve, the, the, the a junior teacher, the trainee teacher, a nervous breakdown. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we reduced teachers to tears. We weren't, we weren't well behaved. And I think in that school, there was such a concentration of really, really badly behaved kids. And a lot of them, their reputations came with them to the school. So Frank had a list of like 15 kids in each year. And I do think the, the problem with Lawrence's was this before your time, it was so, it was so liberal. Mm. It was unbelievably liberal. When other schools, when other schools were, you know, they, they were, you know, they were kind of like prison camps, like, you know, like we had religion class. Remember Brother Fred saying, first day in religion class, who here believes in God? You know, who doesn't believe in God? Like 10 people put their hands up. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> we were like 12 or 13. He didn't care. Yeah. So, sticks on and love me like a rock or whatever. And just I'm a rock. On. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an island. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And so you had that, you know, we had, our headmaster was called Brother Joe. And we used to have school discos twice a year, one at Christmas and one in the summer. And there, there used to be riots at them, right? <laughs> the lads would come up from Ashland and there'd, there'd be fights. And I mean pitch battles, like there'd be three or four Black Mariahs would come. And they'd be putting people... <laughs> like, because I, I keep saying, I, I, when I meet people in my class, I say, that happened, didn't I? I go, yeah, yeah, it did happen, you know? One of my earliest memories, school memories is, there was a guy in my class, I won't name him, he, 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 he was pissed, like, at the school disco at 13, right? We all went up to Lachlanstown Hospital the next day because he was getting pumped out, right? And we all went up to visit him in the hospital like he was having a, you know, sinus operation or something, like. 40 of us, like, everybody, oh, he's getting pumped out up in the hospital. So we're all there, and his parents ran us. So get the fuck out So there was all this mayhem going on, but... They didn't ban, they didn't stop the school discos. Like the police were coming in four Black Mariahs to drag people into the back of them. People were being battered, right? And then Brother Joe would say, oh, if that behavior keeps up, we're gonna have to look at maybe canceling the discos. It's about four years before, before, there was about four incidents like that. I remember there was a school, there was a school disco the night of uh, the Heisel disaster. And I remember, uh, watching just fights outside the school, Kid, like battering each other, like blood everywhere. Over what? Like, just, <laughs> you know, skinheads. Like there was, the, the skinheads would come up and fight the rockers, like, you know. But were they in the school? No. 
And did you have to be in the school to go to the disco? Uh, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, but the lads would come up from Ashland, the skinheads, and they'd they'd have sort of seven or eight lads in the school that, who were who they would fight, like you know, whether in school or out of school. It's like a scene but, from the fucking Outsiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing. It was like being in the fifties. My mum and dad used to tell me about like the Teds and the, the Teddy Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and the Rockers used to have like switchblade fights. That's what this was like. I'm just waiting but, for you to mention Pony Boy here. Genuinely, <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming home after that disco after seen all the fighting and then hearing that heist that happened it was kind of i always associate the two things in my head you mm. know so anyway i suppose my point is that everybody every other member of the teaching staff could afford to be really easy going because frank was the enforcer yeah and i think they hid behind frank for that there were no other really strict teachers like paddy pender was quite strict mr murphy was mr murphy was strict but, but Frank was the enforcer and he yeah. kind of had yeah, to be. He was, yeah. there, there, were, there would have been mayhem in that school. There would have been no yeah. law. He used to pull the locks off, you know. That's, yeah. what, I, that's what I mean by evil. Like. His detention methods were unbelievable. Like He'd just bring lads out to the gap pitches and just he'd smash golf balls up yeah. the field yeah, and yeah. make a chase them. And if you don't come back <laughs> with the floor, yeah. you'll have detention for the rest of the week. Yeah. Mm. He like, used to do that to Nate McClure all the time. Mm. Bring him out, just lash the balls. If you didn't come back with the four, it's better right lines, though. Oh, isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah. better for you. You'd no. never be able to go on the hop, though, because he'd, he'd actually avoid teaching a class to <laughs> go around Ballybrack looking for you. Yeah, yeah. We always used to get caught down at the club, Ballybrack Football Club. In fourth year, myself, Will Murray, and Lloyd Kenny, um, we took our jumpers off and we walked over to the lock in, had a pint. <laughs> and. Um, Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it was fourth year, so. There was probably a couple of teachers in there, wasn't there? No, but it was, it, was, it was weird because we walked in and the barman said, uh, lads, are you over from the school? We said, we, said, we, said, we said something about a technology company that we were now working for a technology company. We finished early. Delta Tech. <laughs> the grey duns, fucking trousers yeah, yeah. and the Airtex polo. Well, Will looked about 50 when we yeah, were in the Exactly. But uh, Doc fucking oh, comes Jesus. up. You know the, the kind of, the, the turn into all yeah. the shops and he... How he didn't fucking see us because we were walking out. Yeah, um, believe, believe me, Ted Doherty sees what he wants to he, see. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he, he probably nice. did and just went. No, nope. I would have been scared shitless of Ted Doherty. <laughs> and I think that's why I liked them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked Ted. Yeah, yeah it was great. You, yeah. You, you are, he's brilliant. I, yeah. I, I'll never forget. Do you remember the downstairs and aren't outside the water room, the dark corridor? Yeah. yeah. And the great game among first years was as people were walking through that you turn off the lights, yeah. boot the legs <laughs> off each other, yeah, yeah. wreck the place. They used to get battered at first year. But Ted Doherty would always have his keys because he had about four million keys on this big loop and he'd always swing them, almost like his warning siren that he was approaching, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the first years all never, I was, I was in about 50 or I think. And I'm about to walk through the car door, and all I hear coming from the other end are the keys. And all the first years going, it's him, it's him, it's him. <laughs> so they all, like, the lights come on like fucking cockroaches. They all just it's the you know space. I mean? yeah. But one kid in particular ran and went to go out the fire door at the bottom of the stairs. And as he's getting to the door, he looks back to see if Ted is anywhere near him. Doors locked, runs face first into the door, <laughs> bounces off it, and skids backwards on his arse. Docks at the bottom of the stairs, and any other teacher would be like, "God, are you all right? Jesus, everything all right?" Doc just looks at him. Up, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually imagine that as well. <laughs> and it just walked off. Yeah, yeah. He used to bring us the, on the trips abroad as well. He used to be the. the yeah, the that's right. Yeah, went to Switzerland and Italy. Uh, I've seen um, Stan Moran recently as well, and he has the exact same brown blazer with the elbow patches. I thought you were going to say exact same toupee. <laughs> yeah. Is that a toupee? <laughs> fucking right, it is. That has to be. Well, he had the exact same toupee. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. He was a character. Moran, yeah. 
he, he read us The Agony of Ecstasy <clears throat> in fourth year. Did he? Yeah. For like for the whole, I think it was like a third of the year that we would have had him. Yeah. He, he read that. He said one of you is a few years will need this. <laughs> I had him for six, we can keep going now. Yeah, yeah. I had him for six years that I was in Lawrence's. And you know when you graduate and you get those autograph books yeah, and yeah. you're kind of going, here, sir, will you write a message in there, a good look? I went up to him and I said, sir, any chance of uh, writing a, a message? Why? It's because <laughs> it's a graduation handbook. But you and, and Kavanagh caused me to be torment for six years. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I so respect that. He literally that. just wrote uh, Seamus Moran on the thing. I respect that, though. A teacher who yeah. just goes, no, do you know what? Yeah, You're a little shit, yourself, you yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he gave me a bad note for farting in class once. Oh, he always did that <laughs> did as well. What were you like in school then? Were you a messer? I, I, do you know what? It's kind of mixed. I was like, I was definitely a bit of a messer, but at the same time, I was kind of like, if, if I get in guff and me da finds out. Yeah. So I kind of knew where the line was. Yeah. And I always had that one EJ who'd go further than I would. Yeah. So I'd be like, yeah. so long as I don't go with him. Right. Yeah, I was a, well, I was a ca- class clown. <clears throat> yeah. And if I went to the stage of a bad note that we used to get, um, yeah. Mark never saw them. Me and my mum always used to agree that. I'll change. I could cope with a bad note because John O'Murray was bringing the forge to me dad's signature. Oh, was he? Yeah. And. John was easy to bribe with sweets and ice cream. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even when he got into his mid-twenties, God bless him. But like, <laughs> that's Gar- diabetes now, Gar. <laughs> Gar- 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 what were you like in school? <laughs> well, like, school for me was a social thing. It, like, <laughs> you were an entertainer, really. No, but like, my parents, like, they were so strict, but like, they never checked homework or mm. if you'd even done your homework. Yeah. Um, like, I was suspended, sent home for three days and they didn't even know. I just get to bus down to Dunleary and come back at like half hour um, like we, we told uh, Miss McNamara she said to me do you, do you get no attention at home because all you do is mess in the air I said no home. well I said I haven't lived at home for a year and a half and she said uh, where do you live I said me and Will Murray have an apartment down in the and uh, uh, I think it was Billy Redmond uh, rang the house and said uh, listen your son isn't living with you and he's only 16. And my mother was devastated, you yeah. know. She said, where's all this coming from? Is it from Gary? <laughs> and you get you go home and you get a bollocken. But, uh, oh, the no, school was more of a social thing. <coughs> I, I didn't take it serious. Yeah. Well, they, would, would they be proud that you're writing a book now? Would that I'm writing a book? Yeah. I'm chancing my arm. They'd be proud of me regardless of what I do, yeah. What would they be proud of? Teachers? I think I've been, oh, the teachers? Yeah. I don't mean your parents, I mean the teachers be proud that you're writing a book now. Well, I'm chancing my arm at writing a book. I don't think any teacher would be proud of me, really. Terry Dooley would be proud of me, actually. Terry had a lot of time for me. What would you I won a debating championship, actually. A Leinster one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, myself and Fiddle, uh, we won it. We, we, it was about semi-detached houses, was the, was the topic. <laughs> the fuck are you debating yeah. semi-detached Are you making this up? No, no, true as God, in third year. The, what the, was the, the motion? The, the final was in Clooney, actually. What was the motion that semi-detached houses should be? <laughs> you just had to fucking talk about semi-detached houses. And at the time, Oakton Green was being built. You know, up yeah, 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 yeah. where St. John's Girls School used to yeah. be. And uh, just fucking waffled. Uh, wrote a few things down. and You could see Terry at the back just like this. <laughs> like, go, go. And, uh, and we nailed it. Um, but he, he could like... <laughs> Like certain teachers could see a spark in somebody, you know, uh, yeah, no, no matter yeah. what it was, yeah. um, and would encourage you. But like, look, I didn't deserve 
an ounce of attention off any teacher either. Do you know what I think, right? I don't think they remember us. Do they, they see so many kids yeah. going yeah. through the school. I meet, I meet them sometimes. Like, Miss mm. Foley, did you, you say I'm going to name teachers who, uh, who you won't don't remember. Don't think we had Miss Foley was my French teacher. And Miss Foley was a great teacher. But she should have really been teaching in a school where the kids actually went to France, like, you know? Mm. Like, if you said, if you put her, if you had put Miss Foley in Mount Anvil, right, everyone would have said, that's the greatest French teacher who's ever lived, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's teaching us, and we, none of us had any expectation to go to France, like, you know? So we weren't, we weren't kind of boning up in our summer holidays on our French, like, you know? And you could actually see her, she was kind of saying to us, you know, I know you probably won't go to France, but... You know, if, if there's any opportunity over the summer to meet French students or something, make sure you use your French. It was just fantastic, you know. And she called from, she called from my mother one day because I was messing in class, like, you know. And I stopped messing because I kind of thought, it just got to me, like, I kind of thought, she mu- that must have really taken her. That, that's a big thing for her to send from my mother specifically mm-hmm. and say, you know, he's, he's, he's quite good at French, but he's just disrupting the class and all the rest. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, I, I never messed ever again. I was really attentive after that. But I met her about a year ago. Uh, I was I brought Humphrey up to the dog park up in Cabinteely. And she was up there and she's got a little Jack Russell, you know. No so way. we were chatting away. And, Did she remember you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was great to kind of meet as adults, like, yeah. you know. And so we're <clears> chatting <throat> about this, that and the other. And then she said to me, did I ever teach you? And it was amazing because that would have been a huge t- cross on my back. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that but she, she despaired of me so much, she sent for my mother, <clears throat> and the shame of it and everything. Like you know, she didn't. She didn't remember if she that she taught me. You know, that's mad. Because when I met Mister yeah. McLan, when I met Mister Glenan last week, uh, he said, "Remind me who you are." Uh, the beard is, is throwing me off. I said, I looked at the wheelchair. I, said, I looked at the wheelchair and I said, are you Brian American? And he goes, oh, of course, of course. Like, he wouldn't have taught any other wheelchair user in the school. Like, yeah, yeah. I was actually disgusted. But like all the messing and dosing in the end, like, I, I would say I, I would regret being a messer because I remember in sixth year, like all the lads saying, would you ever shut the fuck up? Yeah. Trying to study for leaving cert and all you want to do is come in a mess. I remember thinking, fuck. Yeah. Is that yeah, why you did yeah. the bomb scare, was it? That wasn't me, actually. Oh, right. Yeah. But I did, I regretted it in the end, you know, not to find myself, but sure, look. Yeah. yeah. It was a great school. I brilliant think it was. School. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Brilliant that, like, you yeah, know. Fantastic. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, as you said, now, characters. Characters, wall to wall fucking characters. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and the 70, remember the, the 70 year leaving program? So I, I repeated, oh, I, I oh, you done it. Yeah. yeah. And then. Because they were getting all the kids from like, yeah, like Black Rock and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. who were just going there to repeat. Suddenly, they were the top school in the whole country, like yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, people, everybody in the country went, "Where?" Yeah. <laughs> but when I I was got I was like I go to Black Rock two or three times a year. The principal asked me to go in and loves it, doesn't he? Read for the transition year kids, or read for the night study students, or talk to, like talk to the senior cup team, mm. this kind of thing. And uh, do you, do you, do the senior club teams in Ross, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you talk to them in, in yeah. Ross language. I do Ross stand up and I just tell them, your dads, your dads are rich. You won't have to work for anything else after today, guys. <laughs> <coughs> they just cheer every line. <laughs> but uh, where's that going with that? Um, yeah, so. Uh, no. Seventh year. Oh, oh the seventh year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I say, so I say to them, uh, 
uh, you know, they, they all, one of them always says, what school did you go to yourself? Like, you know, this transition, what school, sorry, do you mind me asking, what school did you go to yourself? <laughs> expect me to say Mary's or Michael's or something, you know, I say St. Lawrence College. Where? Where's that? <laughs> and I go, don't, you won't, you haven't heard of it yet, but don't worry, you'll be going there. You'll be going there in three years. You'll be there repeating in three yes, years. Wasn't it, um, you know, like it was like, <laughs> Seven grand or something to do seventh year. Um, a lot of money. There was a discount can, for six years, wasn't there? I, I was going to say, if, if you were in Lawrence's, um, you were given a much, much... Much better price. Yeah. Okay. Far ah, more right. favourable. But it is, it was in the thousands. I remember speaking. Oh, when when I was, it, yeah. when we were doing our even cert, and I, we got friendly with the seventh years and socialised and all with them. Um, I remember asking one of them on a night out, and they said, yeah. it was, "I think they said it was about three thousand. It, it definitely was for, for those. I think for for me, it was like a, a couple of hundred quid. Like, and but, I think that's why me ma, because me ma, like, was I done fucking shit in the leaving? I'm talking like a hundred and something points when I first went to leave. I done terrible. Like, what's that under the then, old money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, when I did the leaving, right, a good leaving cert was twenty four points. <laughs> like you got two, you got three for an honor or something like that. Right. Like you know, the most you could get was twenty four yeah. points. Well, I, fa- I failed business studies, I failed maths, and and I definitely failed another one. Like I just because when it came to the actual exams, I got it into my head of like I've got this. I'm fucking. I'm not studying. Fuck this. Like yeah. I don't shite. And then my ma was devastated. So, and it was Billy Redmond, actually. I, I'll never forget when I was going to get my results and you go in and Billy Redmond hands you the envelope. And before he handed me the envelope, he goes, don't, don't dwell on it. Give me a call tomorrow and we'll talk about repeating. So I didn't even have to open the envelope to know, yeah. like, oh, bollocks, this is bad. Like, um, but know, yeah, no, in fairness, like, that, like, they paid the money, but that seven-year program worked. Like, But the, the girl I was talking about um, paid thousands for it. Yeah, and all she missed was uh, she missed out on five points. Yeah, there was a few of them. Jeez, yeah. going back, parents, yeah. spending thousands. Yeah, and do they still have seventh year there? No, uh, did they not? They, they got rid of it. I was up there doing a talk for my job there in March. Yeah, and uh, it's gone. Really? Because mm. I remember, I think when when I was doing it, it was maybe the first year Miss McCarry retired, so they got rid. I was going to say it was the first year Miss McCarry wasn't like running. She was still kind of involved, but yeah, she yeah. she wasn't. Did running you have Miss McCarry? Like, no, but I remember. All right. Yeah, yeah I remember well. Yeah, and, and Tessie, of course, because once Tessie went, yeah, because well, she she originally was the seventh year. Yeah, and then Miss McCarty took it over from her, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah, I tell you, I found out why they call her Tessie. Why? I never could work it out. Like the because whole time I was in school, I was reading Brendan Bean's Borstal Boy. Yeah. And one of the screws in Borstal Boy is called Tessie O'Shea. Oh, and that has to be like there's no and I was looking I was thinking like Borstal Boy would have been out about five years when Lawrence has started so it was a relatively new book yeah, that yeah. has to be there's no other explanation for it is there no that does make sense that was, why do they call yeah. Seamus Moore and Stan don't know yeah that's I never I, I haven't I haven't read everything Brendan Beach <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but when you were in fifth or class it might be George, George Bernard Shaw or something mm-hmm. when you were in fifth class you knew about Stan and St. Lawrence College before yeah, getting there absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true yeah. there yeah. were some teachers out there like Ted Darty was another one like yeah, yeah. I, I knew about Ted from about third class I used to go know? to socials in Lawrence's before I ever went there as a school right before I went to the school and uh on a Thursday night, they used to have just a social, you know. It was, I mean, like, there was no supervision. There was, like, one teacher, like, looking around. But eight rooms, kids in eight rooms, like, you know. And they were, like, there'd be a bit of lino down and everything would be breakdancing, like, you know. <laughs> you know, went back in the days when breakdance was strong. <laughs> and then one person would be kind of doing the caterpillar or spinning on his back or something. And then there'd be another room. And I'm not making this up. We were watching Poltergeist, Right. 
like whatever we were, 10, 11, like, and then the thing, I saw the thing for the, the original, the thing for the first time in Lawrence's. That was going on in one room, the movie room. And then there's like people getting off with each other, like, you know, like <laughs> in the just, one room. Like, just, just, just boys and girls getting off with each other, like 11 years. Anyway, there was a social. And I, I picked up on the vibe that this is a very, re- firstly, it's a very relaxed atmosphere here, but also, there was much older kids, say some of the fifth or sixth years in, Lar- in Lawrence's at that time would kind of do a prefect thing. They yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, so but for, it was mostly for first years. But if you were kind of from the area, you were allowed to go as well. So I used to go and I remember the fifth and sixth years, it was the early 80s. There was a big Teddy Boy revival, right? So your dad remember this, right? The, 80, the early 80s was all about revivals. There was a ska revival. There was a Teddy Boy revival. Like, there was no new music. It was just revi- mod revival, all that kind of stuff. And the Teddy Boy revival, there was about 15 lads. And they, they used to wear, like, the drainpipe trousers. Like, they'd have, like, two inches of fluorescent sock showing. Uh, crepes. Lashback haircuts. And these jackets, you know those American college jackets that were red, but they'd white yeah. sleeves, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know? And I thought I was in America. Like, it's because all the announcements, like, brother, all the yeah. brothers, they'd say, recess, well, come recess, and see me at yeah. recess and stuff. I really thought I was in, the like, prayer. 1950s America or something. Yeah. Alar- the when I was in prayer, yeah. Yeah. The morning yeah. prayer, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was mad. It was, it was great to go. Do you think you'll have uh, much, um, would you have much content to ever write at about Ballybrack or about Lawrence's? I know I, it's been put to you loads and loads of I'm times. I'm working on a thing at the moment. Uh, I, st- I started writing a comedy called Ballybrack Boys. Have you? Yeah, and it's about it's about my childhood. It's a television show. No way! Yeah, wow. yeah. So I've got I've written I've got six episodes planned out. I've written the pilot, and we're talking to a few people about it at the moment. You know, but it's kind of all stuff. Like a lot of most of it happened, like a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now I've had to exaggerate some of it, and yeah, change names yeah. and stuff like that for a sitcom, but, naturally. Yeah, yeah, for English television. So, uh, I'm hoping that goes somewhere, uh, uh in the next 12 months, you know. Unbelievable. Well, come on, it's actually come on, Netflix. Boys. It's called Ballybrack Boys now. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they'll change it because I'm kind of aware that it's similar. The name has a ring of Derry Girls about it, but that can also be a good that can be a good thing as yeah, well, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of it starts off, it's it's kind of the story of our, our family, really. Like, we moved to Ireland, uh and I think I was telling you before like mm. once Thatcher got Thatcher in my dad in, yeah. said like we're getting out you know but we moved to Ballybrack during the, the hunger strikes you know that whole mm. but when Bobby Sands died and everything we still had these Grange Hill accents like you know it was just walking around watch your mate oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were very heavily incentivized to lose the the core blimey Cockney accents and uh, but Cromlech was great because when we moved into Cromlech, it we, we suddenly didn't feel like outsiders. Like there was people from, there was just all kinds of people there. Yeah, I remember you, you know? saying before. Like there's refugees and refu- stuff. We had Vietnamese refugees. We, you know, IRA men. Uh, we had, uh, you know, tra- two traveller families lived in. Is front this all of covered us. in the sitcom? Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. my god. So it's all amazing. it's all about just the mayhem of a like. There's one there's one episode where the Spanish students arrived. Ah oh, yes, I want to watch know, it. Yeah. Oh, stop! <laughs> and, and it's that, just that madness of these, 
mostly very, very middle class Spanish kids, like just being dropped, just being <laughs> dropped into our estate. And they're expecting Parma ham and all this kind of thing. And of course, no one's buying fucking Parma ham. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it still doesn't happen. Serrano ham and stuff. Oh, I do not eat this back home. You'll eat what you'll eat, you know. <laughs> when in Barry Brackett do it. Unbelievable. Hazlitt. Luncheon meat. Luncheon. They didn't even say what the meat was, what animal it came from. This is luncheon meat. Uh, and so they would, so th- 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 we'd have all these Spanish students and they'd be teaching us swear words and they'd play football with us and they always had the bit of skill, like yeah. a silky step over and everything. Like, and someone like Key Kelly would just go in. You know, yeah. it's just two footed on somebody, break them up. Like, Are you, you hope to film it in Ballybrack or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can only be filmed in Ballybrack. Yeah. Like, you know, like they can fake TV things. Like we, I did the Ross, uh, a Ross TV thing and we're still trying to get that on. But we're talking about maybe filming in the north, uh, w- which just seems ludicrous to me because they, they'll actually pay you to go and film in the north. So it's the whole thing about television is it's raising the money to, mm. to make it. Like if you get if you get someone like Netflix or Amazon uh, Prime, money's no object. They'll just throw money at you. But if you're trying to make it for Irish television or maybe half BBC, half RTE, or half Channel Four, half RTE as a co-production, it's all about raising money. And sometimes yeah. it can be, you know, we can't afford to film in Dublin, but there's a huge grant they offer in the north. Like, you know that um, Line of Duty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's filmed in the North. Yeah. So they made it look like it was England. But it was in the North because so, they them there. Jeez. I think 70% of it has to be, or some, some percentage like yeah. that, high percentage, has to be filmed in, in the North. So I think the idea is they're going to find a big house for Ross. <laughs> you wouldn't know where, it could be anywhere, as long as it's a big house. You can just say it's Fox Rock, you yeah. know, and then keep the street scenes tight and then film some scenes in Ballsbridge or Dorky or Clyde. Kind of like Only Fields and Horses a bit, like filmed in the flat. No, it's no. not going to be in front of a live audience. Oh, like, yeah, that's that right. Jesus, yeah. I that was a live audience. Yeah, that, this one this one will be kind of like, it'll look like uh, Fleabag or something like that. And will Rory Nolan be Rosser? Nah, he's too old for it now. I don't know who's going to be, except, I mean, he's not, he is too old, really. He's fine for, for the stage because he's good. we've kind of set those plays in the future. But the Ross Weird casting in in this it's 2005 so ross is 25 like like rory yeah, nolan's you, yeah, yeah. 46 yeah, yeah. now you know we, we went to postcards from the ledge oh did you yeah and <laughs> yeah you got us tickets oh i did of course yeah, I did. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's just he's just fascinating we were an all yeah, just like, a monologue bang two hours yeah uh he doesn't drop a line yeah the accents, everything. Yeah, the voice yeah. is different. Yeah. Voice is different. Unbelie- gear changes. Yeah, emotional yeah. gear changes. Well, he does again. honor, and um, but at the interval, um, there was people oh, sitting. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, like Fox Rock heads. Your man had a Ralph Lauren rugby top on, and he was fucking soaked in like this is us. And yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, we go and get a high now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like, the irony of it. Like, they just. I like, love that though. I love that. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. About, about, um, kind of the lack of self awareness. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's but, like, but they think not that you're not on their side. But do, do you get me? They, yeah, they yeah. think like. This they, is in, they, they think this is in tribute of us. Yeah, it's validating. It's validating yeah, their yeah, existence yeah. when it's actually taking the piss. We There's have a different a, agenda. It's a comedy. Going to see something like that yeah. than they do. Don't yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it, it's a different. And I definitely have a different agenda right now than they get from it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like this guy came up to Rory. This man came up to Rory in the bar one night after the show, in te- when it was on in the Gazy, and he just goes, "Yeah, oh, 
I have exactly the same relationship with my son as you have with your dad. <laughs> and and he, he sounded delighted. Like. <laughs> and he said, Roy said, really? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He, um, I was coming out tonight. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to see that Ross O'Carroll Kelly play. And he said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, you wouldn't have a fucking social life if it wasn't for me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, 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 I think of it, there was a woman, she came up to me in Dundrum and she said, uh, oh, I met one of your, one of your types. I said, what do you mean one of my types? She said, oh, not you, that character you write, that Ross character. I said, really? Oh, yes, yes. Um, my daughter was going out with this chap and he was awful. And we heard all the stories about how he used to treat her, his Blackrock rugby type person. And he came to the house and he was really rude. And the next thing, uh, my, she came home crying and it was all over. And I said, well, good riddance to bad rubbish. I'm glad that's over. Maybe now she can find a nice guy. But of course, the next week, it's all on again. So he's coming to the house and my husband said, I'm going to have a word with him. And I said, don't, don't. Oh, no, I'm going to have a word. I'm going to put him in his place. So my husband went into the kitchen and he said to him, don't you ever hurt my little angel. And the chap looked my husband straight in the eye and he said, your little angel is my little devil. This is all a dundrum. And then he winked at my husband and he left. Yeah, she was telling me in Eason's and Dundrum. Oh my God. <laughs> was sign at a sign of order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Fucking hell. I love the story about the woman who approached him, Brown Thomas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I want yeah. a word with you. I want a word with you. <laughs> my <laughs> son called me a name and I'm holding you responsible. <laughs> kind of that Maria Bailey voice. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm holding you responsible for that name. So we can look forward to Valley Rock Boys TV show. Yeah, I mean, look, loads can happen between this point and, yeah. and you know, I mean, so much. There's so many great television shows aren't made, so you know, I wouldn't be so presumptuous to think that this one is going to be made. But I, I've written it, like you know, I've written mm. episode one. I've plotted out all the other episodes. I know exactly what's going to happen in it. I know who the characters are. Like, there's all these funny set pieces from from my childhood. Like, so the pilot episode. Uh, has the night when Father Hastings was Father Hastings still yeah, around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jesus. Father Hastings announced in school he was going to be coming around the houses. We'd only moved in like a few months. He was going to be coming around the houses signing our Sacred Heart of Jesus pictures that night, right? Just kind of presuming <laughs> that everyone had, <laughs> everyone had a Sacred Heart of Jesus picture, you know? I forgot to tell me, ma, like, you know? And we didn't have one. So the next thing, that somebody comes Father Hastings is coming he's signing the Sacred Heart Jesus pictures <laughs> so what happened was uh, somebody had one one person in this day had one right he was blessing them he wasn't signing he was blessing them and what would happen is he'd go into a house and he'd bless the picture and then somebody would be hand the, hand the picture they'd go out the back garden <laughs> hand it over the back fence <laughs> and then they bring it into the house and then he'd bless it well he'd bless the same sacred heart picture I'd say 17 times night, you know it just went from house to house to house everyone had it the Hempenstalls had it uh, the McAllisters had it the Lochrans. the Lochrans had it the Salmons had it we all just kept passing it over the fence you know amazing it was things like that that build a community. Like that's absolutely. That's, that's probably gone at the moment. 
you don't have that kind of community characters yeah maybe maybe not maybe because we're older i don't realize it will they be fictional names or oh jesus yeah i'll have to change there's so much illegality and immorality and everything and like you know i'll have to everything will be changed uh in fact i've changed them very very heavily (laughs) (laughs) gents we we are out of time um but it, I, I've enjoyed this and I think we'll have to do it again. We'll have to get both in again. Gary, maybe when you've got the next chapter of your book written. Yeah. And you can do a written reading. Property. You can do a reading for us. Yeah. Can, can you give us um, a brief synopsis of it? Look, I, I've worked... I'm, no, don't sound like a prick. I've had this idea that I'm trying to uh, get over the line. But I've too much going on in my head to, to, to get it. So I've two or three different things wrote down. But I can't nail... If it needs to be longer, shorter, whatever. But I just keep constantly writing stuff down that I want to put into About it. About experiences? Life experiences, yeah. Predominantly in, in different places that I've worked and stuff, you know. Mm. But uh, it's just something to do, isn't it? You know? See what happens. Absolutely. Paul, is Copper's Musical coming back? Yeah, we're going back into uh, rehearsals in, t- in two weeks' time. Yeah, so it's... it's uh, it's great to be back with that. <laughs> is that any rewriting to it or is it the same? Not a lot. You know, not, not a lot. We've got the same cast back and they're only giving us a week of rehearsal so we kind of have to stick, stick to the original right. script, you know. But like Johnny Ward has kind of become a bit of a star since, yeah, since yeah. last year. He's so, more money, has he? Uh, I don't know. He'd be mad if he hadn't. I mean, Jesus. I tell you, if he hasn't, if he hasn't got himself more money, he needs to ask, is he with the right agent? I would say, you know. Uh, so... Yeah, it's exciting, like, you know. It, it's, it was great fun last year. We, yeah. I mean, the audience is just not a traditional theatre audience as well, which I love because yeah. I hate theatre audiences, like, you know. And uh, we kind of had a Copperface Jacks audience. So, like, five past seven, they're doing Jaeger bombs <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in the bar. Like, you know, and it's like, like Tuesday night, 15 nurses from Donegal yeah. who were on a split shift, you yeah. know, are just, like, getting hammered in the bar so why do you think you were overlooked for an award the theatre awards yeah look they don't they don't give awards for popular theatre right so like if two if two people are doing Godot in a kitchen in Glenageary the the judges will turn up mob handed right (laughs) but if it's if you've got a thousand people in the gaiety and they all leave happy they they don't consider that theatre like because the theatre has to be something that's like makes you feel deeply unhappy. Like it has to be about an alcoholic in the west of Ireland who has daddy issues or something like you know. But even like, and we're talking about the Irish Times Theatre Award too, which I'm a little yeah. bit bitter about. Not for me, and not because I felt it should have it should have won an award. But we had this great cast, and there was something really magical about the show. It caught it just sort of caught a, a spirit last summer. Like it was sold out. Like you couldn't get a ticket in the last two weeks. And it was kind. Of, it was the biggest show in Ireland last year. You know, like thirty-five thousand people came to see it. Nothing in terms of uh, audiences. Nothing like it. Like the whole the whole year. But the the judges didn't even come to see it. Like that's the thing that bothered me. It's just like no, it's on in the it's on the Olympia. That's not theatre to us. You know. Mm. And it's it kind a bit of, of an old boys club. The the whole award thing. It's not even an old boys club. It's just they always print the Irish Times always print a picture of the judges. Like, you know, when they pick the judges and they do a photo, really serious photograph of them together, you know, and they, they never look like they're, they have an expectation of enjoying themselves. Like they look like they're going off to supervise the opening of a mass grave or something for the UN. <laughs> That's what they look like. For the just, UN? <laughs> just utterly miserable. Like, 
So they wouldn't be about... Like, they find laughter vulgar, I think. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like their idea of comedy is, you know, a Sheridan play from the 17th century, like, yeah. you know, and they like to sit and watch it in a, in a theatre where nobody's actually there. Like, all the seats are subsidised by the Arts Council, i.e. the taxpayer, <laughs> and, and, and you're sitting alone, and you're not laughing, you're just sort of silently acknowledging, oh, yes, I can see why that was funny 250 years ago. But it's not actually funny. Like, that's mm. the problem. That's why a lot of those, apart from, with the, the exception of Oscar Wilde, why a lot, basically every comedy from sort of 30 years ago anything back from 30 years ago is shit because yeah, it's just not it's just not made it's not written for these times yeah, like, yeah. you know Oscar Wilde is totally timeless it's still funny today but everything else it's kind of like oh yeah you had to be there and when That's I say there I mean 1856 us, like you know yeah um, I, I, I think it's going on sale are they on sale are they <laughs> after that diet tribe <laughs> trying to lube very, it back around I very passionate about this <laughs> Tickets are on sale. Yeah, and they're Excellent. available from Ticketmaster. There we go. So um, you get the plug in and then you can lash the critics out as well. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, just um, actually before we finish up, I, I have a product that I'm very enthusiastic about. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jesus, uh, I'm worried. Branston, who make pickles, uh, <laughs> different sauces, have brought out a tomato and red pepper. All right. Relish. Right. right? And... You can eat it with fucking anything. A toasted sandwich, <laughs> chips, a fry. Um, it's called hot dog relish, but I mean, you can use it with fucking anything. You can use that in total confidence. Yes. On anything, right? right. Now, there's one You're rule. passionate about this. Yeah, there's one rule with this. Don't store it upside down with the lid on the ground. Store it up, okay? Okay. Because where it comes out is quite big. And it'll all glue oh, out right. of the lid, okay? Yeah. And there's one I brought one for everyone. You brought oh that's lo- what a lovely right. carry. What a lovely gift. Oh now, could you, you could have that with the with the cheese board at Christmas Merrow. You could. <laughs> Couldn't you? Like, would would it go nice on cheese? Would it Absolutely? Yeah. It's, it's the most versatile <laughs> sauce I've come across. I'm gonna try this yeah. with a spice bag. That's what I'll try it with. And do, I'll report back. Now I I'm not a ketchup I, I'm allergic, violently allergic to ketchup. Uh what? it's no. Yeah, I can't handle. I, I like really? puke if I even smell it. I get sick. But this might, this might be all right. This Look, might. Look, it's similar to Ballymaloo. All right, okay. A little bit more vinegary, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oi. But. Uh, Look, enjoy it. Gary, thank you. Is are welcome. Thank Gary, that's you. a lovely gift. That's yeah. a lovely gift. Yeah. That, that Hot really dog, relish, nice. tomato and red pepper. A sauce that you're very passionate about. Yeah, it's a product. You like condiments in, de- in general, do you? Absolutely, yeah. I think they're yeah. important. Can, can I ask you, have you received an inducement from Branston? No, actually. No. no. I, I was going to get everybody a packet of Fisherman's Friends, actually. Yeah. You're but passionate about them as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I couldn't find them. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the fucking Branston relish. <laughs> Fisherman's Friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Fred. Fred. I was going to say, Fred used to give them out. Yeah, Next that? time you're going down the pier. Or, or at a Rover's match. That's, that's a different game. Later in the season. Yeah. Like yeah. Wintergreen. Ne- next time you go down the pier. It's like licking Wintergreen, isn't yes. it? It's a stunning product. Yeah. But enjoy that. Thanks. Yeah, does this add drama to your dishes? It can add drama to mealtime. Not as much as pepper sauce. Can you just briefly explain to Paul, briefly, about how you add drama to your meals in the evening? Yeah, so it depends on what I'm cooking, but I'd done a steak dish a few weeks ago. Yeah. Steak was done on a barbecue. Small little cube potatoes, roasted pepper and onion. And I presented the pepper sauce in shot glasses. 
Oh, lovely. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah, felt that's that a nice touch. To the, to the meal, you know? It does that. That's yeah, a touch, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, quite, it's yeah. a feature, as they say. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as uh, Dermot Bannon would say. That's oh, a great Jesus, Paul, you've said it. Don't mention oh. Dermot Bannon. Gary, I'm Dermot. When Gary was in Don't the... Don't get on, we've had beef over oh, the years. Yeah. Oh, on Twitter or... No, just in... in, 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 uh, in your the, physical beef, as, as I say. Well, in, the, in design, in the design world. All oh, right, okay. The last time we talked about this in the podcast, we received six legal letters, so... From Jeremy Bannon. And Gary himself afterwards. Changed his mind after we had published the podcast. Um, <laughs> But the, the, the new Ross book, Paul, uh, it's out in September. <laughs> out in September. Yeah. Uh, tickets for coppers on sale. Thinking of selling me car. Yeah, yeah get, the plug, get the plug in. Get the the plug Audi, in. is it? Uh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the brakes are a bit spongy on it, so yeah. I probably shouldn't actually mention that. Maria Bailey's know. probably looking for something, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> She's more likely to get hit by it and, <laughs> and put a claim in. While it's parked. Yeah. Um, Gary. If people want to follow your antics through social media, don't. Yeah, you can uh, at Gar Mackle, or you can mm. come into Paddy Power and Greystones. <laughs> you find me in there a lot as well. And, and b- both of those come with a hell to warn them, yeah. folks. Yes. And, yeah. Um, well, listen. Can I just say you yeah. won't regret it. Like if you follow yeah. Gary uh, on Twitter, uh, if you if you get the WhatsApp installed, yeah, any of that <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. You won't regret it. He yeah. is. He's he's a, he's a comedy genius. As yeah. far as he's got timing. Uh, the content is just second to none. He, he is one of one. Of, he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen in action. He's just That's he's a, instinctively an, funny. An unbelievable like, uh, all of this, yeah. comment. Thank you very um, much. Unbelievable. If you're looking, mean it, Paul. <laughs> which is the best thing about it. If uh, you're looking for somebody to install your WhatsApp, you can get to Paul. <laughs> he's at AKA Paul Howard or at Rossock is, is the other account there. Um, and he'll be able to put you in touch with a team of satellite agents who can come in <laughs> and stick WhatsApp on your phone for you. Mero, where have we been coming from? Um, the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel, Colony. And if people want to learn more about this fabulous establishment, Graham, where can they go? On their website, which I forget. It's FitzpatrickCastle.com. Good man, Graham. Seamless, seamless. And where can people listen to all previous 182 episodes of this award-winning podcast? You can go to any podcast provider, including Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and just search WTS Pod. Incredible, Graham. Or go to WTSPod.com, or go to our Twitter at WTSPod. Go to at Daniel Murray and go to at Merigamania. Thank you. And that will do us. Paul, thank you very much. Pleasure. Gary, Always a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you very thank much. Thank you, everybody. Graham, thank you very much. Here was. Full hearts. Hello. Good luck.